Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Well, sometimes my mind plays these tricks on me. Sometimes, and I'll find that my mind climbs higher than it should climb. Bit of a bonus show this week. Um, we had a running seminar at a trail running shop called Terra Tribe in Eaton Hill in Brisbane. And uh, we had a few speakers, guys talking about uh, training, recovery, nutrition, marathon prep, and uh, loads of loads of good things um loads of good takeaways from it and uh, i was going to put it on the main channel and we were going to chat about it but i thought it's too good i should put it all together and um just share it online for anyone who uh, missed out on it um so i'll introduce the speakers as they go the first cab off the rank was stan fetting and uh, here he goes my name is stan i've been running marathons and ultra since 2004 and when it comes to uh, recovery, I've made more mistakes than everybody in the room put together, which qualifies me. The original speaker for tonight was supposed to be Mary Jackson, um, but she got her timing wrong and she's now got COVID. So instead, um, I'm speaking. Okay, you can start your time. Now, a normal running year should look something like this. Start of the year, got a race, I'm training, building up, a little bit of a rest, build up, build up, a little bit of rest, peak training, and then race and then down, recovery, and then build up to the next race, a little bit of a rest, build up to the next race, build, build, peak, massive race, beautiful. That's how a normal running year should look. This is how a normal running year looks for most people in South Pine Striders. Whoa, race, 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 injury. Oh no, I hate everybody who I can see. I'm driving down the road and I can see people running. I hate you and I hate you. Oh, we fixed up now. Oh, we're in a race again. And that's how it goes. Okay, now there's a couple of reasons for that. One is the preponderance of races now compared to what it used to be is massive. When I first started doing marathons, there were three in Southeast Queensland. The Brisbane Marathon, the Gold Coast Marathon, and the Toowoomba Marathon. Now there's a marathon every Wednesday and every Saturday and every Sunday. And there's a trail race. There's so many different trail races you can do and so people are racing all the time. And then we've got, at the end of the year when we should be resting, we've got the Gold Coast 50. <laughs> it used to be the Karawetsa Duramba. Always used to get injured there, against my better judgment. And so basically that's one of the reasons is because we are racing all the time and we're at that level and we're getting injured. Physiotherapists in the room, have we got any? Yes, we've got one. Love us for that reason. Okay. Um, the second reason is because we're breaking one of the maxims that my coach, the great Graham Bliss from Reckler Tri Club gave me. He said, train when you train, race when you race. Um, and quite often people are training, are racing when they train. And so quite often their race times are very similar to their training times, which means their capacity to recover and build from their training um, is very little because they're effectively racing. They're racing slowly. And then they get to the race and they race and then they start again. And so that's one of the reasons. For me, the definition of racing is that you extend yourself more than you do in training. And so therefore, at the end of your race, you should be to some degree broken 
stiff at the end of your training, particularly if it's long for a, a half or a marathon or an ultra. Um, but after a race, um, it's very difficult to get down to the toilet or get into the bath or anything like that. So that's my definition. If I say anything provocative tonight, it's to make you think. It's also because I'm originally from South Africa and it's pathological to me. <laughs> the other reason, and I wrote an article about this a few years ago, which you can still find on the Southline Striders website, and it lost me a couple of friends, is called Is Kudos Killing the Runner? And it was about the role of Strava in how it affects runners. Because Strava's only got one feedback loop, that is kudos. And the more epic and more fast and more long your training run, the more kudos you get. And so every weekend I look at people's runs and I think, you idiot. But all the comments are, oh man, you're killing it. They, all they're killing is their next race. So I've seen people spend almost a decade failing to reach their goals because they're just killing themselves all the time in training. And so we basically are generally um, predisposed towards not recovering. And there's one key reason I would summarize it all in. We don't see recovery as an active part of training. We see recovery as something we do when we're not training. But training is breaking yourself down, causing yourself uh, thousands of micro tears, and recovery is the healing. And that's the bit where the quality happens. If we can see act recovery as an active part of training rather than sitting around and doing nothing, we will be better runners, is my, um, is my very strong conviction. I'm in that little process right now. I did the Noosa Marathon, which uh, normally I would have done Gold Coast, but that's because there were some other races down the track I wanted to do. I had a crack at uh, sub three, I hadn't really done road running for four years, a bit of more than I can achieve. Ran three hours, 11, was completely broken. Then entered Comrades Marathon, which is on the 28th of August. So I then needed to heal myself before I started the training run. And Dave, where is over here, where is Davey? Davey's coming to South Africa as well. Same boat, got really hurt at, at, at Noosa. And now the science preparing for Comrades excuse me, isn't training for comrades, it's healing from Noosa. If we don't heal from Noosa, we're gonna have a shocking day. Um, because we fit already and we've done lots of distance, we will get some distance in, but the key thing is gonna be how do we recover? Like idiots, we have decided we're gonna do the Black All 100 at the end of the year, because we wanna get a ticket in the Western States Endurance Run. Uh, now, there's no training we can do for that. There's only one thing we can do for that, and that is recover. And hopefully by the end of the year, um, Dave and I will demonstrate how you can train for big races through very effective recovery. Okay, so try and see recovery as an active part of training and very much so an active part of racing. If you're not sore after your racing, let me challenge you. Um, perhaps you're not extending yourself as much and you could get more out of yourself. So therefore you should be a little bit more sore after a race. So fast, um, some fast facts on recovery. The most important recovery time initially after a race is the first 30 minutes. And the same goes for a workout. You need to get some carbohydrates into you, you need to rehydrate, and you also need to get some protein in you if you don't have enough protein in your diet. Okay, and by rehydrate, I don't mean beer. Increasingly, the trail runs, there's beer at the end. Now, you can buy beer on the Australian market, which has got no alcohol, very low carbs, 
and uh, high in electrolytes. Um, and there's, some, there's a brewery in Victoria that does that. So yes, you can drink beer after a race if it's that tight. But rehydration is really critical in the first 30 minutes. Um, managing to get some carbohydrates into you and also some protein. When it comes to protein, um, one of the tricks that you can use is to use fast release protein if you take it immediately in that first 30 minutes or a banana or something like that. And also as an appetite suppressant, you can use um, slow release protein, which can help you in the healing process as well. And that's going to release protein over a longer period of time. Later on in the process, um, when you feel well enough, um, massage is really good for race recovery. The first massage that you have, if it's on race day, should just be really light and flushing to help you with your circulation. You can use compression as well, which has been shown scientifically to help. Um, there's a range of other things that you can do that are not scientifically proven to produce a benefit, but people do feel better from that. So who does ice baths over here? Okay, ice baths for some people really works. I find it too painful. I prefer hot baths with salts, just relaxing and everything like that. Stretching is not necessarily proven scientifically to help you recover either, but I find that with my stiffness and stretching like that, it helps me reflect on the race, helps me feel looser and helps me get going again. Then there's rollers, there's stretching and everything like that. My um, ultra career has been as far as I'm concerned, kept on the road thanks to massage, regular massage. I spent a lot of money on that. Um, and uh, without it, I don't think I could have lasted this long. And I certainly wouldn't be doing the Conrad's on the 28th of August and then Blackall in October without Conrad's keeping me on the road and helping me recover as well. Okay, the longer the run, the principles involved, the longer the recovery. So how long is recovery? If you do park run, on Saturday and you really go for it, I would say run nice and slow and within yourself if you do a long run on Sunday. I personally don't like matching a fast park run on Saturday with a really long, long run on a Sunday. Um, so I don't do a lot of park runs. Saturday is my, my long run day. Now I know a lot of people are very keen on park run and uh, it means that you are race sharp all the time. But if you go hard on Saturday and hard on Sunday, um, that could produce negative results for you. So just try and um, play the two off against one another. Uh, for a 10k run, um, I don't really need a lot of recovery. Um, I would go easy for um, two, three days after a 10k run. Um, it's really once you get to half, marathon and beyond that you really need to think about how much recovery you need. My bottom line for a, a half marathon is about two weeks recovery before I get back into normal training. For a marathon, it is three weeks. So Dave and I have had a three week slow builder and then this week, our fourth week, we're back to full training and we have to start doing the big Ks on Saturdays. Um, but we're still keeping under ourselves when it comes to speed work um, with our intervals and stuff like that. So we have a nice long healing process, making sure that by the time we start training again for our next race, we're fully healed from the last race. When it comes to an ultra, my rule of thumb is 30 days, a whole month. In that first week, I'll start walking. In the second week, I'll start jogging lightly. I won't do any hard hills. I won't do any speed. And I'll just gradually heal until the point that I can really feel that I've got that out of my system. I've come back too soon after a Comrades 90 and tried to do a Blackwall 50 and just got completely broken and, and dashed against the rocks. 
so I won't make that mistake again. So that's my rule of thumb, but you can work it out for yourself. Um, Garmin these days, in terms of the watches and whatever other watch that you use, will tell you how many hours you need after your training run, and certainly how many days you need after your race. But my rule of thumb is two for the half, three for the full, and a whole month for an ultra. Practice makes perfect, so practicing uh, proper recovery in your training will help you when it comes to your race. Um, if you get injured in a race, you need to see a therapist ASAP, and rest doesn't always fix an injury. And there's a lot of people do that, they get a muscle tear, a hammy tear, a glute tear, and they just go, oh, I'll give it about two weeks, they go back to their first training session, and it goes from a grade one to a grade two. And now you're looking at five weeks or for a grade two. So um, make sure that you don't do that. Steer away from ibuprofen. Um, there's a lot of research out at the moment which um, looks at how that can really damage you. Um, last thing that I will say is um, that for those of you who've got COVID, which in this room, who's had COVID here? Okay, um, it's really important for you to look at what you do with your post-COVID return to training. Otherwise, you'll end up with myocarditis. So usually you need to have at least seven days completely symptom-free, and then about a two-week gradual lead-up before you can start then building into your training. It took me five weeks. I got it on the 6th of January. It took me five weeks in training. Um, Dave can tell you, he'd hear me breathing. When I got back to training, I was just completely wasted. So some people come back too quick after training, and then boom, um, they are... Uh, find themselves in a lot of trouble and if you get myocarditis that can be potentially life-threatening for you right that's all from me that's my 12 minutes done yeah fast and furious if you've got any questions the panel the q a will go yeah yeah deeply yeah thanks a lot Stan. next up is uh peter lewis to uh talk about how to figure out your race pace and training paces for those of you who don't know me um i've probably started my running career just before the age of 40. I probably got into it for the reason that most people, I think, get into it, unless they're lifetime runners, and that is that, uh, you know, I've gotten a bit overweight, thought I needed to get a bit fitter, uh, so it sort of all started from there. Um, the running helped me lose some weight, and that was the way I sort of treated the running. I treated the running that, as Stan said, you go hard all the time. Um, you know, the whole idea of a training session was to sweat as much out as possible. Uh, lose as much weight as possible. So I reckon I'd done about 10 or 12 marathons, all at the same pace, pretty much. And then uh, a few years ago, I decided to, to eat to eat to run rather than to run to eat. And, uh, and things changed for me as well. And I started to look a lot more at what I was doing in my training. Um, and my topic tonight is I'm gonna talk about the pace that you should run. I'm going to talk, split it into two sections. One's the pace that you should train at, and the second one's the pace that you should race at, and trying to work out what that is. And they're both very important. Stan has touched upon that particular one, and I was certainly guilty of it. I can tell you that my 35K runs to train for a marathon were done about five seconds slower than what I'd end up doing for the marathon over the 42. So I wasn't really racing it any quicker than I was training at it. And in fact, now, even though I run marathons 20 to 30 minutes faster, I'm probably actually training at a slower pace. So I'm gonna talk a bit about the, the, the types of training runs that you do, 
And I like to split it into three types of runs that I have in my program. One is what I call my easy run pace, or my train, I actually call it my training pace, because I do 80% of my weekly volume at that. So if I'm doing 100K for the week, I'm probably gonna have done about 80K of it at this pace. And we've all got uh, these watches now. Most of us use them to tell us how fast we're going. The other thing you can use them for is to tell you how hard you are going, because most of them have a heart rate monitor built into them. And I would really recommend if you don't look at the heart rate, that it's a really good thing to, to do. I always wear a strap, I wear it for every single run, except maybe if I'm in a race, because I'm wanting to give myself every advantage that I've got. But that, what that does is it tells me how hard I'm working and it actually tells me in an objective way instead of oh, I'm running the field. Because I often hear that, I'm running the field, maybe you're going too fast. I know how hard I'm working because the heart rate monitor does not lie. So, what heart rate do I like to run at? Most of you will have heard of the old maximum heart rate. You, know, you get your age and you deduct it from 220. Well, there's a similar sort of rule of thumb you can work out for your training pace, your easy run pace. Deduct your age from 180. So for me, on 55, that's 125. Now, a bit of a rule of thumb is if you're fairly fit, you can maybe add five beats a minute to that. So I work on 130. I had a look at my Strava, um, and uh, I've been as guilty as anyone on Strava, so I actually keep the runs private now unless I think they're worth unless I think they're worth kudosing. So I'll put my park runs, if I'm in a group, I'll put them up there. But I've had this conversation with a, with a member of my, I'll call them my little running crew, or they'll remain, she'll remain nameless, <laughs> um, who said that, uh, oh, you know, she doesn't do it for the kudos or anything like that. And I said, well, why do you put your runs on Strava at all? And if you're only doing it for yourself, why are they on there? I couldn't really answer that. I said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take mine off. And I'll just put on the odd, you know, the odd one where other people are involved, I think people might be interested in. The true measure to run isn't the kudos anyway, it's what we call the uh, kudos to comment ratio. <laughs> so kudos aren't worth anything, but if you get a decent ratio, comments to kudos, you know you've had you know you a mind. So, my race, my, my what I looked for was around 130. The last two training runs I did, what I would call training runs, I went for a run this morning with Glenn over there. We did 15, uh, 14K, didn't we? My heart rate average for the run was 121, which is a little bit below it. I'm tapering into the marathon. I ran that at five minutes, the, what was it, 5.16 per kilometre, I think. I did another run on Sunday. I was a pace runner at the Queensland Half Marathon. So I actually had to run at four minutes 44 per kilometre because that's what they gave me a free entry to do. My heart rate for that was 133. So my 130 at the moment would probably just have me around five minutes a K, maybe a little bit over. At the start of the year though, I was doing my, my long runs at a heart rate of 130. And they were not at five minutes a kilometre, they were at 520 or 525 a kilometre. But with the cooler weather, and as I've gotten fitter and I'm trying to peak towards Gold Coast, I'm still running the runs at the heart rate. I've tried to keep the heart rate for the long runs. 80% of my volume at that. And when I say 80%, well, some of the interval sessions you do a warm up and all that, I count that as mileage as well. So, yeah, you know, when I do an interval set, like 6K, it's actually going hard, and the other four, 5K are just uh, 
recoveries or warm-ups and whatnot. Well, the recovery and warm-up should be at that, at that low heart rate. So most of them are trying to get that. The rest of it, tempo runs is the next thing I'm going to talk about. You've heard the word tempo run, means different things to different people. One definition I've heard is about the pace you could sustain for an hour. So for a lot of runners, that's somewhere between their 10K and their half marathon pace. I like to think of it as the sort of pace that I want to be able to do in my next race. So if I'm training for a marathon, I might have a figure in the back of my mind, it might be four minutes, 15 a K. If it's training for a half, it might be closer to four minutes a K. But one of those longer events, it's the pace that I want to know what it feels like and know that I can do a few Ks at it. Now, I think Stan will probably disagree with me a little bit on this because he's very, very confident in the sort of runner that he is. I think for a lot of runners, you need the odd validation run. You need to know where you're at. So for me, training for Gold Coast this year, Glenn joined me on these, I think it would have been a couple of months ago, we did 14K at our target marathon pace, or what we're hoping we'd be able to do in July. And that was actually pretty difficult then, but gave us a bit of an idea of where we were at. Now I figure if I can't do 14K of it, which is one third of the distance at that pace, I ain't gonna be doing 42K there. So just gives me that idea. And then a few weeks later, about four weeks later, we did 21. Same idea. Some people, and Paul Goulet, who's, I don't I believe he's gonna speak tonight. <laughs> Hope so. Um, he's a big believer in some of your long runs, throwing in some tempo running. 10, 15 kilometers as part of your, part of your long run. Don't do it every week. I'd be thinking no more than every three or four weeks, but it tracks you where you're at. So that's the second type of run I want to do. I like to incorporate at least once a fortnight, have done something at my target race pace and for me at the moment, that's targeting the Gold Coast Marathon. I'm going to target three hours. I'm not quite sure I'm there. So I'll talk a little bit about how to work out what you think you can do for a race. I'm probably tracking for about 3.05. I'm going to attempt it anyway, because I've done 3.05 before. I don't need to do that again. I might blow up. But uh, yeah, those tempo runs would be done at 4.15 pace. And the third one is like the threshold stuff. The intervals, the hills, possibly park run if you run it hard. Now, I actually think they're the easiest to recover from. They're hard on your heart and they're hard on your cardiovascularly when you do them. But afterwards, you know, it's five, five K is five K. You tend to recover from them pretty quickly. I'm sure we've all reached the end of a park run and thought, you probably could have gone a bit harder. And then that's about two minutes after you finished it. Like <laughs> 10 seconds after you finish it, it's a different, <laughs> it's a different mindset. Um, but, so that's the third type of stuff, but that, that threshold stuff. If you're a beginner, I think the first two are more important than the third one. I think the third one kicks in when you're starting to really look at speed and, and that sort of thing. But if you're looking to do your first marathon, your first half, your first 10, your first five, you're looking to complete it and enjoy the experience. Which brings me on to my race pace. How do you work out what you should race at? Most of us have done park runs and stuff like that. That's going to give you a good indicator for a 10k race. A very good indicator. If you're looking at doing longer events, I think you need to have done a race four to five weeks out at half that distance. 
So if you're looking at a marathon, I think any decent marathon with preparation should have a half marathon race scheduled in, maybe a month out, something like that. Noose is a good one to do um, because it's about five weeks out from Gold Coast. If you're looking to do Sunshine Coast, the Gold Coast one is a good one to do. Um, you can do that as a time trial. I've gotten a bit stingy when it comes to half marathons. I don't like paying $120 to do them. So I did mine down on the foreshore last weekend at Sandgate with a few other bikes. But it has the same, it has the same effect. It's given me an idea where I'm at. Okay, so, so I think that, that, that doing that gives you a really good idea of your pace. There are lots and lots of calculators that can say, well, if you can run 5K at this, you can run 10K at this, and you can run 21K at this, you can run 42 at that. The problem I think with some of those is that they work better for, for better runners perhaps, that they tend to close the gap. Same with those age grade tables. You'd think, oh, well, if I'm an 80% age grade at park or 70% age grade, I should be 70% at all the other events. But the number of people that can run it at that is, is lower. The world record, yeah, they go off world records, not what the average Joe does. Um, particularly with a marathon, can be very hard to know the first time because you're not going to have those shorter events. I've seen people convert tens to halves very well, but not so well from half to full because there's a nutrition aspect and all of that that kicks in, I reckon, at two hours into the run. I think you can run for up to two hours with just some hydration, really, if you're well trained. But once you kick past that two hour mark, you're going to have to have taken something on during the race. So it gets a little bit trickier. Um, and that's why people hit the wall in those marathons when they don't in the half. That's just something that, so a little bit of experience come, comes into it. I think when you're attempting your first marathon, you want to run it very conservatively at the start. The chances are you're in the best condition you've ever been at that point in your life. And you can get easily carried away, say, after 10K, between about 10 and 25K, I'm cruising. Honestly, very few people negatively split there. Very few people I know have gone into their first marathon and said that they've done quicker on the second half of it than the first half. So not one of them can come back and tell me that they went out too slow. Because the only way you can say you went out too slow is if you came back faster. And the only bloke I've ever seen do it sitting up the back there. And that's true. Yes, you did it. New York, you were in one hour, 30 and four seconds for the first half. I'm not true. Oh, you're not true. Geez, you look like you, mate. Sorry. Travel all the way to New York with Trent, you think I've seen it, I But he ran one hour 30 for the first half, one hour 29 for the second half, which I just thought was a phenomenal effort, you know, to, to, to do that. Uh, when I've done it, I've tended to run one hour 29 and one hour 30. But to me, that's pretty, pretty even pacing. And it doesn't really matter what the length of the race is, you'll get your maximum time by, by sticking to the one pace. So have a chat with someone that can give you a bit of advice and, and I can do that and, and guys like Stan and that can do that too. 
as to what pace you should be targeting for your race, and that I'd be basing it on what you've done for a shorter, shorter event. The longer that event, shorter event is, the better I could give you an idea of the pace. But once you lock that pace in, don't get carried away and think, oh, I'm gonna bank a bit of time, I'm going really well. Stick to that pace, because if you're going really well, that's great. You'll still be going really well later into the race, and, uh, and you'll get a lot more enjoyment out of finishing the race at the same pace you started it. Every single part run I've done that has been a good result has almost had the same Strava graph. First K is the second quickest and the last K was the quickest. And the middle three were kind of a bit in between, but not too far off it. Where I've blown up, I've gone out too fast. Rarely have I gone out too slowly. And I think that'd be the case for, for most of it. And park run's a good place to experiment because it's only 5K, if you blow up, you know, there's always, ne always next week. You don't really want to blow up in your first marathon. Experiment later on. Once you get one under your belt, have the confidence to go for something a little bit quicker. This bloke over here, I reckon he could he could run 3.05, but he's gonna to attempt to run 3.10 or something around that because you've never gone into that territory before. And if you do it and do it easy, well next time you'll be very you'll have that confidence. And I'd never underestimate the value of the confidence run. Because uh, at the moment you're lacking the confidence based on the blow-ups. <laughs> That's right. Even though you can run a half marathon in one hour 26, you're still terrified of what happened at the Sunshine Coast, but it happened to most of us at the Sunshine Coast because it was 30 degrees um, when we had to run it. So that was, yeah, that, that was all I wanted to talk about tonight. But yeah, if you can take anything away, probably do a lot of your running at that, that heart rate, deduct your age off, your, off 180, and try and stick to that. If you do that uh, for a lot of your kilometres, go hard on your intervals and that sort of thing, throw a few tempo pace runs in there, I reckon you can build a pretty good program around that. Thank you. Next up was Yvonne Bayliss to uh, chat about nutrition. Do not come here with any formal qualifications on nutrition um, and I thought there might be a few more ladies from the club because I can only really speak from a woman's perspective on how I've dealt with nutrition and hydration during my races. Um, so I just will give you a little bit of background for anybody who doesn't know me which is probably most of the people in the room here. I started running White Peak in my 40s around my first marathon at uh, Gold Coast 10 years ago when I was 44. Um, and I've done a couple of Ironman and a couple of ultras. I did comrades with Stan twice. So everything I've learned has been trial and error, listening to coaches, giving me advice, throwing that advice in the bin <laughs> because it's been rubbish. I think, um, so a lot of this isn't going to be relevant to you guys, sorry. A lot of advice that we get around nutrition and training is aimed at men. And we're very different biologically, weirdly. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll find ladies that you might want to start looking for articles that are specific towards women and how women metabolise nutrition and how our hormones affect how we eat and our weight and how we feel. Uh, so that's how I have dealt with that over the years. But there are a lot of stuff that's, that's pretty basic. So I've, um, 
I also have to say I have no food intolerances and I have no allergies and I have an iron gut. I can eat anything, anywhere. I can turn up on race day and I can pick something out of there and eat it and I'll be fine with it. So again, that's another disclaimer. <laughs> you are not supposed to try new stuff on race day. I will say that. Try and practice. I mean, we're only like, what, a week and a half out of Gold Coast. So if you're um, still getting your nutrition together now, it's probably too late. <laughs> but if you're doing races later in the year or, you know, for next year, hopefully you'll all still be running next year, um, try different things. I have tried so many different things. I've tried those block chews. I've spat them into the back of people's heads in marathons because I discovered in the race I can't chew and run at the same time. Sorry. Look at my head. Um, same with uh, high electrolyte drinks. Some of them are disgusting. The taste is foul. They're supposed to be really good for you. But I have found consistently over the years, I've used Gatorade from Coles. And it's the only thing that I've not found foul tasting and I can stomach it. And I'm talking 12 hours doing Iron Man, drinking that gross stuff. Um, Anyway, so we'll start from the beginning. I, um, if you're going to race, have a think about what you're going to eat in the days beforehand. Uh, carb loading is a thing. I found it always works for me. Um, I was talking to Alice Taylor, who's running the, her first marathon at Gold Coast this week. She's very concerned about going out for dinner, and I said, why don't you just prepare a meal and take it down and stick it in the microwave in your unit? Oh, okay, that's a good idea. Just something simple. Um, I always like spaghetti bolognese or lasagna or something like that works for me. Most people eat that kind of thing. Um, even if you're going to I would say even two days out to do a couple of, maybe even have your big carb meal two days from race day and the night before, because you don't want to be having too heavy a meal the night before you're racing, because you don't need that in your stomach in the morning, and have a reasonable size meal that night. Um, then when you're getting up in the morning, I think probably most people would be out of bed three hours before they race. Um, I'm usually two hours because I don't like to get out of bed early. Um, I have even had coffee in the tram on the way to the Gold Coast Marathon. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Before I race. But again, like I said, I have an iron gut. I can do anything. Um, my go-to in the morning before a race is either peanut butter toast with banana on it or those little sachets of Uncle Toby oats. They're brilliant, perfect size. Um, and that's enough to keep me going most of the way through the race, I would say, without having to eat too much during the race. Um, most people will need around 30 to 60 grams of carbs per hour um, in a race situation. So one gel is normally around 20 to 30 grams of carbs. So if you're eating those, I would have one every 45 minutes. So when you're doing your long training, Practice that, how you feel, because you don't want to get to the point where you feel hungry, because once you're hungry, it's probably a little bit too late. Then you're going to get a bit of a dip in energy, um, which you don't want when you're racing. So practice it, work it out, and I always have that 
figured out how many gels I'm going to need and then stick them in my belt or my tights or something. It's uncomfortable, but it's definitely worth having them with you. Um, as for hydration, uh, drinking out of a cup, I find as difficult as eating a lolly chew. I've had water up my nose, in my eyes, on every run, but without fail, I've tried taking a hydration vest with me and I've tried running without it. I always run faster without my hydration vest and I endure the water and the Endura and everything up my nostrils and in my eyeballs. <laughs> it's worth doing. I've even been pushed over at a water station for stopping and walking because I just can't get the water in when I'm moving. Um, but if you feel more comfortable taking your vest or belt or whatever, then take it with you. I think in a race, you can't really be thinking about how much you need to drink all the time. Just drink to thirst and, you know, if, be mindful that you do need to drink, but I don't ever work out, oh, I need to drink this much. The only time I've done that is uh, at Comrades and I did have a plan for hydration then, but that I knew I would be out for about nine hours. So that's totally different to a marathon situation. Um, and that's about all I had to share with you, really. Um, Stan already spoke about recovery, uh, nutrition after recovery, to have carbs and um, protein within half an hour of finishing a race. Uh, you can get that from coffee. <laughs> um, eggs on toast is my favourite after a race. Carbs and protein, yeah. And cheese and lots of salt because it's you tend to crave salt after a race. And again, practice everything during your training. Um, and don't try anything new, like me, on race day. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Next person to speak was uh, Paul Gourlay, talking about uh, structuring training programs. Good evening, guys. Yeah, I'm sorry for coming up a bit late and missing the first few talks as well, but um, I was working late, so yeah, good to, good to be here. Um, yeah, like Patrick said, I'm going to talk a bit about programming principles, so I'll start a bit, a little bit about like genetic, the genetic process, you sort of where you, you want to be when you start running, and then getting a little bit more of the fundamentals of, like if you're looking to go further where you're running, um, I know Dave sitting there signed up for comrades in a couple of months time, so the, um, we've got a few more like Pete's done comrades as well, so we've got a few few amongst us that have done sorry sorry Vaughan as well, yeah. So we've got a few amongst us that are ultra runners as well. So um, we are like I say with the the, gen, the general um, principle when you start running is looking at your smart goals. So has everybody heard of smart goals? So smart being an acronym. You can apply it basically to, to anything. Smart being specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time. So you, you look at your goal, is it specific to what you want to achieve as an individual? So you look at that from that perspective and then is the program specific to you as well? All right, measurable, we all have some kind of recording device. Most of us run and we look at the what, what we're doing in terms of mileage, what we're doing in terms of sessions, so it's good to, I, at times it's, it's great to have that data, at times it's not, but it's all, always a good thing to be able to measure, so you say, I've done a certain session here, where am I at, maybe two months later, three months later, or I've run X amount of Ks here, 
how I've progressed as I'm going and the best way to do that is to be able to record that data. So you can always, you've got Strava, you've got Garmin, you can always kind of go back and see where you were two months ago, three months ago, a year ago, depending on how long you've been running. Um, achievable. So again, it comes back to that sort of specific, is that goal achievable for you? So that could be, can you run at a certain pace? Can you put that time in? Time is another one you've come to as well, but can you commit that time to training? Um, again, achievable then leads, leads into realistic. So you go, achievable, can I run that pace? Is it realistic for me? Can I run four times a week if I, if I need to go to, to reach that goal? Is it realistic based on me? At the end of the day, we're all amateur recreational runners, so we've got full-time jobs. We don't have the, the, the luxury of being able to do three, four runs a day, or sorry, two, three runs a day, um, fitting a, a full-time schedule. So is it realistic? Do you have that time to be able to commit? Which again, that's the, the last one there is the time. Can you commit to that, that training cycle um, without overdoing it, without putting too much volume into your training where you're gonna end up with injuries or you might not. A lot of time as well, but, but think about injuries being the the downside to running, but sometimes you might just not be reaching your full potential, not through an injury, but just through not training smart. So use that word again there, smart. So the two, the two things that I look at when I'm, when it comes to training is consistency and structure. All right, so if you're following a, a training program, then it's, you're the, you're, you're the one that's accountable, you need to be consistent. But have you got the right structure that's allowing you to be, be commi committed and be consistent with that program? So if you, like, no, no matter what you're aiming to do, if you're like not running and you suddenly say, I'm going to do a couch to 5K or I want to run 10K, if you sort of stop, start, stop, start, you maybe run a couple of times a week, then do nothing for a couple of weeks jump back in, your, your fitness is never going to get anywhere because you're not consistent. So again, it comes back to those smart goals. Is it realistic? Is it achievable? If I say to myself, I'm going to train three times a week, I need to be consistent with that. Then I'm going to maybe, right, two, three months down the line, right, I can maybe train four times a week. But again, it's being consistent. If you stop for a month, it's then hard to get back into it. One month becomes two months, becomes three months. So commit to something that is realistic to you. So if that, if that means that you, all you could fit in is two 30-minute runs a week, then stick to that until you can then say, oh, well, I'm improving, maybe I've got another 30 minutes, or maybe I can do a 60-minute run and a 30-minute run somewhere. So it's all about adapting it to your, your lifestyle um, and committing to, to it you. So that, that's where the consistency comes from. Um, if I move on from there, um, So when I go back to sort of your, your like sort of if you're starting out running, the the realistic goal for you starting out running is maybe a five k. So you've got park run. Park run is an excellent um, opportunity every week to, to just go out and, and run a five k. And again, you can sort of that's measurable. You get your results every week, so you can sort of see like, am I improving there? Am I, my, my, my my time's coming down? Or um, just, just that consistency again, sort of getting out there and doing it. It's a good fundamental to start there. So, like again, you don't want to suddenly like look at somebody and say, "Oh, they're running a marathon. 
I'm going to just like I'm going to, I want to do a marathon. Is it realistic to say I've done nothing for five years? I'm going to just jump in and oh look, Gold Coast Marathons in two months. I'm going to go and do the Gold Coast Marathon. You can look at it from two different perspectives. You can sort of say, well, yeah, if you really want to sort of tick that off your bucket list, you could go and do it. But if you go in with a sort of a goal that says I want to run a certain time or I want to like whatever your goal is to sort of achieve, you need to build towards that. So the realistic progression would be like five k, maybe in a ten k and a half marathon, and you probably want to build up a good sort of consistent year of running before you start to then look to increase those distances that you're doing. Um, I'm a big believer um, for 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 those of you that have known my, my my running over the last and running and coaching methods over the last sort of three four years is a lot of people do too much too fast and one of the big things that always sits with me and it's hard to try and grasp the concept but it's running slower makes you faster now you're not going to sit there and everybody thinks that that makes sense because it completely doesn't make sense when you say that sentence like running slower makes you faster you immediately think to yourself how is that possible like how, how do I run slow and it's suddenly going to make me faster so basically you strip that back and the way that that principle works is if you're doing like again it's your total volume so depending on how much you can commit to training for that week 80% roughly should be nice and easy and then 20% should be hard so that, that, that model is based on polarised training so opposites so basically where the running slower to make you faster comes in is if you're running too hard on your easy days then you can't run hard on your hard days so if you're running easy on those easy days it allows you more recovery time to then go in and hit those harder sessions harder. So if you're like say say you're aiming to run, I'll just throw out a couple of paces. But if you're aiming to try and maybe do an interval session based at four minute pace, and then you're doing your easy runs at four minutes thirty, there's only thirty seconds between them. So you're not allowing yourself enough recovery time to then be able to go in and have a harder session. So in principle, if you actually went and did your easy runs at say five minutes or five minute thirty pace, then you would probably go with your interval sessions at sub four minute pace because it's easy on your body. And it's a hard principle to grasp, which again comes with the consistency. So again the consistency you probably hear me I'll repeat the consistency and structure so many times, but if you suddenly start to look at doing like a couple of slower runs and you start starting up five, five thirties, but then you start to go back to double targets and run at four thirties, you run at four minute k's, oh, I'm just feeling really good. And there and before you know it, like you're back to sort of being lethargic in those harder sessions again. Alright, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we then look at um we then look at sort of sessions as well. So you've got that sort of that basic principle, you start running to consistency looking at I wouldn't necessarily say I mean how how many people have only been running here for a year? We're most most of the seasons runners here, yeah. Looking around about the room we've got a few, so um when it comes to doing sessions, I'm a, like again through through my own personal experience, um I've learned over the years that you don't necessarily have to go and kill yourself in the sessions. You don't necessarily have to go and like win a training session because often you'll win a training session and you won't do it in March. Alright, you need to definitely you need to be able to feel 
what it's like to run fast, if that's what your aim is to run or, or, or run long, whatever, whatever your, your goal is going to be. But you don't need to go in and kill yourself in a training session. So I used to sometimes do three sessions a week. I'd end up injured, I'd end up with little niggles here and there. I highly recommend right now is most of the time I'll do one half session and maybe a tempo session or maybe two half sessions a week and I think that's all we need. Again, depending on how much time you can commit to a training session. So with, with obviously with, with striders we, we we offer two sessions a week and a lot of that is obviously come along and have a hard effort. So if that's all you're doing, then it's probably not the right balance for you. It's probably like come in, come along and do a one hard session and then try and fit in maybe an easier session another time in the week. That's not to say that you can't come and do those two sessions. You maybe then just have to look at where else in the week can I fit in some easier training. And easier training doesn't have to be, I mean, depending on what event you're trying to do, obviously if you're looking to run a longer event, you want to try and get more time on legs. But if it's a case that you're just looking to do part run on the weekend with 5k, get out and do a bit of walking, get out and go do a bit of cross training, jump on the bike if you've got access to that. Just easy time on legs so you're not just killing yourself every time you come to a training session. All right? So the, the principle there is that 80-20, like 80% easy, 20% hard. Again, throw a spanner in the works here because I do have a big belief that practicing that pace that you want to hit for a race is a massive, big, big, big part of your training program as well. So it's more more relevant to time-based, obviously, results. So if you're aiming to run a certain time, say, you know, what you want to run a marathon in three and a half hours or whatever it's going to be, you need to get nice, easy, long haze on your legs, but you also need to know what it's like to run at that pace. Um, I remember, my, 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 I don't know, I think a few of us met my uncle a few few years ago and he was here for part run and he's been running all his life and I remember him telling me a story. He was standing on the start line with a guy and they were both getting ready to do the run and he's like, what's your goal? Share their goals. And he said, oh, so what, 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 do you, um, what are you expecting sort of type thing? And he's like, oh, I have no idea. I've never run at this pace before. And he'd just been basically going out and just doing easy time on legs all the time and expecting to go to come up and know what it felt like to run this pace. So that's a big learning curve that you probably like, as you move through and as you, you, you look at maybe more sort of time specific goals, it's having a look. And again, you don't have to kill yourself. If you're doing a marathon, you're doing 100k, whatever it is, just practicing what that pace feels like. It might be a 10k run, it might be 20k run, 30k run, whatever it is. But just definitely throwing in a little bit of practice. Um, at race pace as well. Um, what? So, sorry, well, well, I've got how, how, much, how much time I've got left. Back, right, I'm all, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> I can stand here and talk all day. Um, so, I'm going to just finish off with the um, going back to sessions again, um, and how obviously we, we speak about our watches and we speak about our devices. For those of you that come on to sessions at a coach. Um, I'm a big believer in effort rather than being dictated with what your watch is saying. All right, for a specific session. All right, so again, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about race pace. You obviously want to be trying, trying to sit on a certain pace for that. When it comes to a session, try and sit off your watch as much as possible and just try and run to feel. So 
it might be that it's a one minute rep, it's a two minute rep, three minute rep, whatever it is going to be. The idea is to run for a two minute effort. So a good way to look at that is your RPE scale, which is your rate of perceived exertion. So when you're working, so if the idea is to try and, like you're training for a 5K, so everybody that runs part run and runs at a hard effort know that it's, it knows that it's not comfortable. It's literally from the get go, you're off, you're away, and it's as much as you can hang on to sort of get to that finish line. So that's the sort of feeling that you want to feel during your efforts. So, and a, a lot of the time, you, you, if you sit on a pace, you're telling yourself that you want, you're telling your body that you need to run a certain pace. Where a lot of the time, that could actually be restricting you. You could actually maybe run faster than that, or you could actually need to back it off. And say, like, so rather than chase that pace, is work to effort. And again, I'll come back to the C word, consistency. If you're consistent, then those efforts, like suddenly you're, you're running that two minute effort at the same effort, but you're running further because you're consistent and you're just putting in, you're working that a little bit harder, but the effort should always kind of remain the same. All right, so I'll try and wrap it up there. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm sure if there's any questions. I'm sure. Do I have a little break or should we start Q&A now? Q&A. Q &A. Yeah, look, we'll just sort of open it up to, to whoever wants to talk. Um, we don't have Stan here, but um, you can ask anyone questions. No? <laughs> I, told, I told you that Paul would talk about the importance of uh, yeah, training, you know, like getting that feel for what your race pace is. I think during my session, yeah, I, yeah. I mentioned yeah. support. I know he's going to talk later than I was a big believer. Yeah, yeah build, build some of that into your program, particularly as you become a little bit sort of more serious about it. And as I think you mentioned, if you've got time specific goals rather than just a completion specific goal. Uh, and that's it. I mean, obviously, like, I am, like, personally, I am, like, goal motivated by times, but people are obviously motivated by running that bit of longer distance. Um, but even at that, you still, you, you, you probably still have that sort of idea, like, what you think could, based on the, like, nobody really jumps in and just say, I'm going to run 100k. You tend to have done a gradual progression to get to there, so you maybe, like, run a marathon. I know what I could run a marathon that what can I run at 80k, what can I run at 100k, so you get an idea, but it's it's making sure you feel comfortable with that, it's making sure that it's like it's not that unknown come come race day. How many of us are running uh, Gold Coast? Four? Yeah. 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 Sunny Coast? About the same. Does anyone want to share their experiences of any... I just had a question. It's a little bit hard to hear on the uh, recording, but a member of the crowd asked about the spacing out of your electrolyte drinks and waters during the marathon. In the marathon? Yeah. Uh, I would say every second water station, water, electrolyte, water, electrolyte. Only because the electrolyte that they have at the tables, it varies. You know, yeah. it's not, um, I think Gold Coast do Endura. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Uh, so, I, I know, I believe yeah. I mentioned every 45 minutes. Um, that's a rule of thumb that I use, but I either have a full bottle of Powerade Gatorade or a gel with water. Now, it depends a bit on the event at the Gold Coast, I can set my, my wife can be at the eight kilometre mark 
which is also the 24-kilometre mark on the way back. I'll get a bottle of drink at 8K now. I probably don't need a bottle of it there, but it's an investment for later in the race because I know that even though I'm probably not going to be thirsty at that stage, you need to hydrate and nutrition before you need to. Yeah. Um, so, so that's actually for two hours down the track. Yeah. yeah, I could go another hour at that point. So I'll, I'll have a, a power rate at 8K, around at 15K, I'll have a gel, because I don't have somebody standing down there to give me a drink. I actually prefer the, to take more nutrition via an electrolyte drink, but basically gel and water's the same. I'll get another one at 24. The no sugar one wouldn't give you that. Yeah, you no, you'll get the full stuff, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not looking to diet during the... <laughs> I won't be looking to diet on the 3rd of July. And, and as for post for heat race nutrition, I'll be having I'll be having burger and chips at the surf club. Uh, but those who want to have banana are welcome to it. I'll, I'll have a bit of water, water, melon or whatever they're offering at the, the finish line. But yeah, I'll get another one at the Striders 10 at 31k at the Gold Coast. And then from then on, if I haven't taken nutrition by then, I'm probably in strife. Um, but I usually have a gel up at the 36, 37k mark on the turnaround, even if it's only got a placebo effect. That, and that's what you say. Like, that, that's one of the biggest learners I've had. Is um, we've all when, when you yeah. when you start to feel you need it, it's too late. You should never yeah. get to this. So, so that day. that full drink I have at eight k is probably the toughest one because it's cold. Yeah. yeah, it can be cold. You know, at that time of year, you're not a long way into the run. You're only sort of thirty five minutes into your run, or forty or fifty minutes into your run. Drink drink, drink five hundred mils. But I find getting it all then. So getting the ones with the sports tops. So that you can run with them, because as Yvonne says, the other stuff, the cups are horrible, you know, they're straight up the nose. And, you know, it's, you're better off, honestly, walking, walking, through, yeah, yeah. walking through the station and yeah. making sure it goes so down. It's invest weird, yeah. three or four seconds or whatever it yeah. takes, and you'll probably catch it up rather than trying to, yeah. yeah. The other thing I do is try and have the gel about a K out from the water table as yeah. well, so I, you know, kind of. I'm an accountant, so I constantly run and calculate. In my mind, that's how I pass hours. I count my steps, I count my pace, workout. Yeah, I know, it's weird. Even on does like an extra 10 metres in the car park, the run comes up at 9.9 So I know where, um, yeah, I'll know where I need to take the gel, so I'm about a K out from a water table. So I can have the gel, and then I'm also a bit of a neat freak. I like to throw my gel rubbish in the bin at the water table and those yeah. little tabs are so annoying too I, I i stick them somewhere oh, right. on the way yeah and then i finish and i'm like oh i've got all these little tabs stuck in my pockets you yeah. definitely yeah. need to have something sorry i'm a i'm a heavy sweater so this <laughs> the stickiness is gone like yeah that's it's not nutrition but you go to the toilet before the race as well you know that, that's time you don't want to be Wasting, you know, you've got to try and back out a number two. And yeah. the, the portal loos are always there's a huge line at them, so better idea is the public toilets two kilometres in the park back from you know on your on your drive there. If you're driving down the coast, stop at yeah, stop yeah. at a servo, <laughs> use their toilet, go to the race start. I mean, I yeah, I do it every time now. Go to a servo because I just know it's a nightmare. You know, and I got stung. I got stung at Noosa. I was pacing the marathon there a month ago. Now because I was pacing at a pace that I can run, you know, quite a lot faster than, I had to go to the toilet 
during the run and let my pace group go, I will be bolting up ahead. Do not pay any attention to what I do on the next kilometre. I'll catch you back up. I just can imagine them all following you in. I don't want to say, yeah, I'm just going to pick it up a little bit here because I know that 800 metres down there, there is a toilet. But that was 15k in. But that's not a, and that's because I did not go beforehand because I was pacing, not racing. But normally that would be part of my routine, make sure I stop at a servo and not the poor Lewis because you'll be waiting. Does anyone else have any more questions? Or I'm doing a 10k, um, but I would suggest that at the moment, with my training, um, I'm doing maybe 80% of my runs are at effort, maybe 20% might be warm up and that sort of stuff. Is that still that's still incorrect? I should really still, even though I'm running, a, I'm training for a smaller distance. I'm sort of thinking because I'm trying to run at a reasonable pace that most of my training is at that reasonable pace. But do you think the eighty percent, eighty twenty yeah. rule would still work? I would still flip it around. Like, so you, you've got you've got to look at it. Like so, basically, like when you I think it's not integrated too much, but your your main energy system is aerobic, and the main way to train your aerobic system is by easy time on legs. So if you like eighty percent of your training, no matter what, I mean, even like fifteen hundred meter runners will do eighty percent of their training easy, and and again when they come to doing like the shorter sessions, they will they'll be sick at the end of the sessions because they'll be running that hard, but they'll be able to put the effort into those sessions because the rest of the training is easy. So even like yeah, like anything essentially, if you're running further than 100, 200 meters, it's predominantly aerobic aerobic system that you're using so you want to be still even if it's because you, you're still thinking that oh usually used to running longer distances but 10k is still an aerobic run and i realize if you do so the two strider sessions a week that tend to be effort sessions so if you're yeah, only doing yeah. three sessions a week that ae 20 thing's actually quite hard to follow I've all, and I, I certainly when i did the, the coaching yeah. course running recreational yeah. running they said you if you're lo working at lower volumes Probably not quite so bad if it's a bit more than twenty percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're doing hundred k a week, you shouldn't be doing more than twenty k hard. But if you're doing twenty k a week, yeah, maybe you could be doing closer to fifty fifty on that. But I think you need, yeah, you need Depends to get what, what sort of mileage are you running at the minute then? Like, what's your what's your weekly? <laughs> <laughs> you can measure it in kilometres, can't you? A lot of times we always like looking at overall volume. So like, again, we we tend to sort of just look at like oh, how many k's we're doing this week. Oh, I've done fifty k's, or I've done twenty k's, or hundred k's. But how much time you actually spend on your legs as well? So like, and again, that's sort of like you look at the, the total volume from that perspective. So rather than like, I'm a big believer in time-based workouts. Then then just going out and saying I must run ten k, or I must run twelve k, or fifteen k. If you could just get used to just say, right, I've got 30 minutes, I've got 45 minutes. And again, it's a good way of sort of measuring, again, measurable. Like you can look at your improvement over that. So you might still be running a, a nice, easy, comfortable effort for say 45 minutes, but through time, just getting consistency in that, you'll cover a little bit more distance. It's, it's similar to when you're running your hard effort. 
but you're easier efforts because you're slowing them down you'll actually cover more distance because your, your aerobic fitness is improving. But if you do the two club sessions and say park run all week, and I think a lot of people probably do do that at the recreational level, Paul made a good point, one of those strider sessions you'd probably be better off just going for a 45 minute run or something similar. And I, you could actually do that at the strider session too, I mean when you go out you know, on the Thursday morning session at Bunnings, you could just run for 45 minutes at, at, at a nice easy at that training pace while other people are doing hills you can be running on exactly the same everybody's running at different speeds same with up at the mill there you know we're all doing laps around there you can do a 45 minute run and it probably is more value in that if you're a three set year if you're a park running two two club sessions a week ideally yeah one of those club sessions you'd be um running running at, at a slower pace than i hear they turn the lights on now <laughs> well, that's actually a valid point and I'm going to signal Glenn here because um, I still say the hardest thing you can do is run an easy part run when everybody else is running hard and Glenn did it on Saturday when yeah. it was speed week and he, he did say that like it was hard but his goal was to run the 10k on the Sunday yeah. and, and he, he, he smashed his yeah. like under sub 40 for the 10 so if he went out and just run that bit harder on the Saturday and he might have got close to a 5k PB but you would have jeopardised the run on the on this side. One of the things I always so stress and as Stan brought it up was don't run hard two days in a row as well as the 80 20 rule the other guiding principle that I go by is that I don't have effort sessions on consecutive days so if I've run hard at park run it'll be an easy it'll be an easy run on the Sunday morning those Sunday runs where I throw some tempo stuff in that Paul's suggesting that you could do as part of your long runs I'll have an easier part run on the Saturday, um, or if I'm running out of it, yeah, I won't do it two, two days in a row. Uh, Patrick's the king, he used to go to the morning and the evening training session for intervals on the same day. They'd run there on bike as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only man that's done 300k in one week on Strava. <laughs> you actually got a question? Yeah. Any advice for first time marathoners? <laughs> And, and Steve, for those of you that don't know, Steve actually has a weekly podcast with a couple of other guys called Eat, Sleep, Run, Repeat. He has been recording tonight, so we'll see what he's got to say next yeah. uh, Sunday night. Uh, and he's doing his first marathon, or his first one for a long, long time. And you've got a target. It's the first one ever. Yeah. I think you've got. I think you've got the idea about right. He's talked a lot about it on the podcast. He has a bit of a wrap of their training each week. He's got a target, definitely. So he's he's got a he's got a smart goal, no doubt about it. He's he's aiming for three hours, but Steve's a very good, very good park runner. It won't be easy, and you know that. The most yep. important thing is do not. I don't want to see that you've run the first half in one hour twenty-five because you won't run the second half in yep. one hour thirty-five. You'll run it in one hour fifty, <laughs> and in in a world of pain. So stick with the three hour pace you don't need a three hour pace you've got to watch but there will be one there or you reckon you're going to sit on my tail and see how long we can both <laughs> yeah. hold on for but that's the way to do it do not get carried away because i don't think you know you're a 120 half marathoner you're going to be able to get through the first half without any problem i know that because i know how fast you run the half marathon it's going to be that you're going to need something in the tank and the way to do that is to go out at your goal pace and no faster. Yeah. Well, we, we don't have much oh, longer, sorry, so... Yeah, sure. question there. For first-time marathoners, is, um, again, speaking from <laughs> just basically what Pete's mentioned there, 
is expected unexpected <laughs> like lap it up and enjoy the experience but don't get carried away um, my first Gold Coast Marathon I had the aim to run sub 3 and I was sitting on oh, like 2.52 pace about 26-27k thinking oh, this running job's a piece of cake and I was collapsed at the side of the road with two k's to go and I run a 302 because my hamstrings is locked up and I've never experienced anything like that in training so stick to your plan and expect the unexpected like trust in what you've done I know we spoke about Steve about like your training and things like that so just trust in what you've done and don't worry too much about what you've missed and stick to like your plan so that, that might be from a pacing perspective and obviously what we've always spoken about nutrition as well like yeah. stick because you should get to the start line knowing that what you've practiced is what you're going to put into that like don't do anything different like even though you the back of your mind you're saying oh have I done enough or maybe I need to take an extra gel or maybe I need to do this no don't do it just stick to what you've got and like Pete said as well stick on that pace and, and whatever you do we're yeah. going to have some good material for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot of the well, war, sto- war story yeah. or a, yeah. or a 30 minute glow yeah yeah <laughs> Everybody's got their own story to share after the first marathon, whether it be a success or not. And I, and I knew Paul, Paul and I met through Park Run out of Chermside there, and I thought he was a shoe in to run sub three hours. You know, he's. he's oh, I, was, I was, but I didn't think it kind of And when I saw his Strava splits, I said, mate, you've done like 12 and a half minutes for the last 2K. But you were up, look, you're that close. Yeah. And he said, didn't matter. No. I was on the side of the road, that was it. I, yeah. It was remarkable. Lesson to learn and. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Any other. One last question on tapering. You should all be tapering at the moment. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I think tapering is key, yeah. I mean, you've obviously got to. Again, it's come, it's come back. I mentioned that to Abon when I first came in tonight. It's just making sure that you're. You're, you're happy with where you're at and you don't feel the need to sort of like, oh, I need to go and do a validation one. I need to go and, like, obviously I spoke about like pacing, but you don't recommend need to validation Well, I didn't, rec- well <laughs> I didn't recommend you do one on Wednesday next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's, like, <laughs> a lot of time you're, you're, you're trying to validate and it's, and it's a confidence, but a lot of time it's like you maybe, you go and do something right now and you're like, oh yeah, I could do that. But then you're putting that effort in now and you're not allowing yourself to recover. So yeah, tape on. A lot of people talk about two weeks, three weeks. It's basically what works for you. Just making sure that you're you're still. I, I look at the three the three things. You've got frequency, intensity, and duration. So your frequency and intensity should remain the same, but your duration drops mm-hmm. off. So obviously your your overall tack volume drops off a little. So would you still even do a session in the last week? Uh, absolutely, yeah. 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 So I reckon you dropped eighty percent three weeks out, sixty-five percent two weeks out. And a week of do about forty five percent of what you normally do, but do most of the same days you'd normally do. Yeah, just yeah. just cut back the duration. Like the run we went for all this morning was fourteen k. I'd been doing like a twenty k run every Wednesday, but it was fourteen k. Next week it'll be it'll be ten uh, on the week of the race. And yeah. again, it's like that session might it might be like a little bit of validation, but it's a short session, so you might only be doing like one minute intervals or like four hundred meters mm-hmm. or something. Just short, sharp, but it doesn't have to be killing yourself, but. 
like again, you're not going to do a validation on like going around twenty k at yeah. Bath and Pace. Like we're going to do twenty k. We're going to do twenty k this this Sunday. Um, Fifteen of it will be very very easy. The last five might do it at the target marathon pace, but that's a week out. That's only five k. If I can't, yeah. But but that's a lot shorter than what we have been doing. Our long runs have come down from that 35, 36 k peak. Uh, about a couple of weeks ago. So last weekend we probably did around 25 to 30. The weekend before that was a long one. Yeah, so 35, 28, 20. Then you got your race work. Question, I think, yes. So yeah, basically just cut the, cut the amounts down, but still do the intervals. We like to talk. So. Yeah. Shorter intervals next week, though. Like, not don't don't be doing like mile repeats at you know your park run pace. If anyone has any more questions, feel free to, to message the, um, the Striders group because um, we're all part of that, so we can answer your questions. Um, you guys are going to be here a little bit longer. I might actually buy this. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and well, could run home. You're wearing There is going out, sure, but, uh, isn't well, <laughs> what do you reckon? Um, yeah, but thanks to everyone for coming, and thanks again for Territory for hosting. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You 
care Put a time on my song Be these purple elephants A twisted intelligence Extension of tolerance Dimension of violence in my mind Stop rewind Now what the fuck did you find? Ain't nothing in here but why Subliminal I can't breathe Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come figure with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come figure with me in my imagination. I'm contemplating, hesitating on exploitating my mind, 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 mind. 